Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the same. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it I began to feel that myself plus the bicycle equaled myself plus the world upon whose spinning wheel we must all learn to ride or fall into the sluice ways of oblivion and despair. That which made me succeed with the bicycle was precisely what had gained me a measure of success in life. It was the hardihood of spirit that led me to begin, the persistence of will that held me to my task, and the patience that was willing to begin again when the last stroke had failed. And so I found high moral uses in the bicycle and can commend it as a teacher without pulpit or creed. She who succeeds in gaining the mastery of the bicycle will gain the mastery of life. Francis E. Willard, 1895. That's right. Sit up. Take a breath. Just backpedal a little bit. You're listening to the Arabug Radio Show here on 3CR, 855 AM in the tranny in the kitchen, podcasting, live streaming, or maybe not even listening to it. Many thanks to Amy Gooden, Democracy Now. We've got a good show coming up on this wonderful spring day here in Melbourne. We're going to have a, we're going to try and have a, a good look at a new book called The, uh, the Bicycle and how it reinvented modern Britain, as well as catching up on all those wonderful little things that are happening around town, events and news. And with me on the tandem, this way tied today as the captain, is Faith. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. <laughs> it is a lovely, lovely day too. Um, sorry. It's a beautiful morning. Ah, Faith, a little bit to get through with. Can you share a bike moment with us? Um, I, uh, I had a bike moment, uh, I've had before, <laughs> but not for a while. Um, 
where I uh, um, took some friends for a ride up that uh, bike path that heads up alongside the Hume to Craigieburn. Oh, yes. Um, and uh, discovered that the uh, co- coffee situation has not improved since the last time I rode up there. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's quite a, a good ride in that respect. You can get too comfortable with um, things being the way you expect them or always getting what you want. So it's uh, quite good having to try out. There's a, a truck stop in Epping that uh, oh, yeah, we've yep. tried a few times. And um, there's a couple of places up in Craigieburn itself. We've never yet found... I think the, the the place that we'll <laughs> look forward to going to, but uh, yeah, in search of coffee. <laughs> I've had a um, a funny week. I've virtually had one bike moment after another, which has been um, sometimes a struggle to happen, but sometimes something comes along. <laughs> I'm riding to work on Tuesday morning. I've just come out of the Edinburgh Gardens just alongside the new playground where they're starting the finish, and crossed over on what I must say is the only pedestrian crossing in Melbourne that I actually trust nearly 100%. Cars nearly anticipate that you're going to go across yeah. it. Yeah. As I come to leave Edinburgh Gardens, Matt, an old friend of mine who I think I met in about 2003 and 2004, when a friend and, and myself gave him a white stack helmet because he didn't have one, Matt is still using the helmet. Matt rides the, or the delivery van for one of the bakeries in Fitzroy. Ah, oh, yeah. So as I came out of the park and Matt saw me, he said, motion to stop. And I said, oh, yeah, I'll stop. As I pulled up behind him, of course, being a bike nerd, I noticed that the uh, left-hand stay on his rear mudguard was broken and the mudguard was wobbling around in the, in the air. I pointed it out to Matt. Of course, he had a look at it and said, oh, yes, I should need to fix this. I said, yeah, oh, well. anyway, I went to push off and Matt reached into the bucket and gave me a baguette. Ah. It was still warm. Warm. That day, I'd chosen not to put anything on my bike except a, pa- a patch kit and what I could carry in a small musette on my back. <laughs> so I got Matt to, Matt to jam the musette I mean, jam the baguette into the musette. <laughs> and off I took, looking very nice, yes. I thought, riding my Randonneur bike. <laughs> With your baguette <laughs> in With a musette. my baguette into a musette. <laughs> now, I come off the Capital City Trail as we approach Sydney Road. And because the cars at that big intersection at the start of Princess Park, because the cars heading east get about a, I think it's about a 30-second right-hand turn lane there, and on a bike, you really don't want to be turning right in front of two lanes of left-turning traffic and somebody behind them is going to drive straight through the intersection. So what I normally do is duck across the right-hand side of the road to the other footpath and use a pedestrian crossing yep. on that side. I'm, half, I'm looking up at where the lights are and I can see that they've already changed, so the traffic's coming towards me. I'm halfway across that road and somehow the baguette jumps out of the musette onto the middle of the road. An enormous white four-wheel drive comes bearing down. It misses the baguette by about a foot. I race out into the street to grab the baguette. As I do, the paper bag then escapes from my musette. Two seconds later, a man on a red road bike rides past, sums up the situation perfectly, 
chases down the paper bag, manages to stop it by stopping his rear wheel on top of it, and with his foot, I race down, grab the paper bag, put baguette straight back into <laughs> musette, and off to work. I get to work and explain to people, look, I ran into Matt, and he gave me a spare baguette. We should get some cheese. Yes, we should get some cheese. So at lunch, my wonderful boss buys some cheese. Of course, everybody's got their lunch. Nobody's going to eat the baguette. But about halfway morning, I think I've torn a third of it up and eaten it. I couldn't wait any longer. Yeah. So we have lunch. The rest of the baguette is untouched and the cheese is untouched. A nice soft cheese, I presume it was too. So I keep my eye on it during the afternoon and notice it sitting on one of the workbenches at about half past five. Six o'clock, I go to turn, go home, think I can have a baguette and cheese with dinner at home. And I turn to look, and somebody else has taken it home. <laughs> Here ends the bike moment. <laughs> Started out promising, ended in disappointment. It was just this wonderful one little incident after another. Yeah. It was quite special. And I, I do know <laughs> that uh, particular bread delivery bike. Yep. Um, Lovely shade of blue. And I know it because it used to be, I can't remember where I used to go at that time, but it used to leave its Brunswick destination at Padre, I think, just after I came down the shimmy. So it was often just behind me. And when it's empty, it makes a very particular rattle. Yeah. <laughs> like so, a reed bike with a bad rack. <laughs> so you were either... I have to race far enough ahead that I can't hear it or I just hang back and let him go ahead and I find an excuse to make a phone call for a minute. <laughs> there is beauty in silence, silence in beauty, and you should find both in a bicycle. <laughs> uh, let's get off the happy stuff and into some news. Uh, well, there's happy news. Here we go. Happy, spectacular news. Um, race to the Rock has uh, been going since the 1st of September and uh, Sarah Hammond has once again won Race to the Rock, the third one and the third one that she's won. She finished at uh, 4.10 on Sunday at Uluru after leaving Cockle Creek in Tasmania at uh, 6.22am on the 1st of September. It's one way to see Australia, isn't it? Incredible um, ride and... You know, it's we've talked about this before. It's one of those events that you everything has to go right for you. So it it's not just about your physical strength and stamina, but um your bike has to survive and that's, you know, we've seen people had to drop out this year after mechanicals issues um <clears throat> because it's such a tough event on the bike as well and mentally it's such a tough event. So um, to win it three times in a row and so relentlessly, like she's just this relentless driving driving machine. force through yeah. and and from the snow in Tasmania and incredible um, extreme on one end and then through these long unsupported um, areas with no resupply yeah. in uh Central Australia, um, is an incredible uh, feat, I think, three times uh, to win that. I'll never forget 
the day we interviewed her here must have been after the Trans American one. And I asked a question, which would ask the people who've done this before, you know, would you do it again? And I don't think there was a moment hesitation in Sarah's reply. She was, I mean, if the race started that, that afternoon, she yep. would have been there. Yeah. Um, yes. Very um, good. And just, um, it's not over. There's still yep. uh, three riders on the course. So we've got Aaron, who's now in second place, Aaron Klein. He's uh, this morning, as of 7.20 a.m., he um, was on the leg from Udnadatta to Fink, or Finke? Fink, Um, yep. And now has a lead of 33 kilometres over Nick, who's uh, coming up behind him. And Emma Fluke, who has – this is her first – bikepacking event has had an incredible ride. So she's uh, roughly 200 kilometres behind Nick. So uh, right now probably on one of the toughest sections of the whole course. So well worth checking out and watching those three riders to see how they fare finishing uh, the last sections. I've got to say, for me personally, these are much more interesting to watch than the tour or... They're incredible. And because we then have a personal connection to it, it makes it a, so much more enjoyable as well. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it is it is that unsupported nature and that it doesn't involve big sponsors and big, no. you know, people are um, not going home. And as Sarah pointed out when she finished, you know, it's not even that you can go to a motel and get a meal every night. There's long sections where for yeah. days you're just sleeping on the side, side and of the road. eating old mouldy sandwiches. And yeah. I shouldn't make a crack about Sarah's navigational skills. Obviously, they've improved <laughs> a fair bit over the top. But it's interesting. I mean, um, if you look at look at that quote from Francis E. Willard, the hardihood that held me to my task. Mm. You know, that, she sums it up in three lines, what it takes to ride from Tasmania to Ayers Rock. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If a pedal stroke fails, do I begin again? Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And when the pedal strokes fail, I think, um, you know, there's been quite a lot of hike bike. There's kilometres and kilometres of carrying or pushing. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to keep out of the sluice ways of oblivion and despair. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I'm going to keep referring to it. Um, um, news. Also... Oh, yeah. Also, uh, kicking off on Saturday was Terra Australis, a new event that's um, from the northern tip of Australia down to Wilson's Promontory, 6,500 kilometres, mostly um, dirt, I think. And uh, I think there was maybe eight or nine starters. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. And um, there's a you can find out more about it at Terra Australis Bike Epic dot com, um, and we'll put the link up uh, in the podcast where you can uh, follow the riders on that. Mm. Now, if you have if you're not aware of what Pick My Project is, it it's a state government run grant system to actually help fund and encourage community activities. Three CR is running one of those, and I will play a dinner set din set for that at the next opportunity. There is a lovely urban honeybee hub it is also in Pick My Project, and I'll put the um, web address up for that. The thing with the Pick My Projects is 
it actually closes at 5 p.m. today. I'll we'll put the I'll put the um, um, the web address up for that. But if you're looking for a second or a third, um, pick my project. You've got to list three of them when you choose it. I'd suggest that if you want to get some honey that hasn't got added extras in it, this might be the place to start, and yes. you can fund it yourself. Yep. Sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> we'll be back just after this. <laughs> You'll have to keep going. I've done something here. Terrible. That's okay. Um, so, well, one thing I uh, thought we could talk about today, I recently picked up a, a new book that um, I found really enjoyable to write. I was reading a blog written by a, a, an historian in the UK called William Manners, and uh, the blog is Victorian, the Victorian Cyclist. WordPress.com. So it's all about cyclists during the Victorian era. And then it mentioned that he uh, had finally um, written this book, Revolution, How the Bicycle Reinvented Modern Britain. Um, So I ordered a copy and it is one of the most, if you're at all interested in uh, the history of bicycles and especially those transformative years where they really changed society and um, then... It's one of the most engaging um, histories of that era that I've read, you know, because sometimes, you know, they can be a bit dry. But this is really engaging. And the thing that really struck me and that made it really enjoyable was um, it, it's, he seems to have included the 50% of the population who are often left out of these stories. Like, And it's not that there's a, a separate chapter tacked on at the end saying, women and bikes and a little bit about them it's throughout the entire book and every aspect of it it's just that they're not excluded from the history as written which made it i think um very lively and enjoyable and really deepened that when you're thinking about how has the bicycle changed the world and um the physical structures of it but also the social ones well then of course um the changes it made for women really um, make Rational that. dress, it was called in those days. And, I think, you know, being able to go further. Yeah. And uh, without Neat. chaperones oh. and... Yeah, I'm going to use a very modern world here. We've just enlarged the gene pool a little bit. Yeah. If I was born in a small village in 1800 in northern England... Who I was going to marry was probably living already in a 10-kilometre or, or five-mile radius. Yeah. With the bicycle, it actually changed that a lot. Yeah. And I think I've read one of uh, Arthur War's poem, Father of Evelyn War, who courted his wife on a bicycle. On their honeymoon, they went for a bicycle ride. It became a big changer. And he tells the story in there, which... You can still reference to the days of women riding along and people throwing things at them and trying to scare them off the roads. So it was a really interesting intersection between early suffragette movement, Francis E. Willard, Susan B. Anthony, of changing that whole structure about how we interact with people. There was one of the cycling clubs, I think, who raised the fees to join the club because they wanted to get rid of a bit of riffraff. So it was starting to fall apart. 
that sort of really deep structure. Yeah, well, it challenged the, all those social structures, and um, and especially for women, it, it it challenged the idea that you, if you were going beyond a very small circle, you needed a chaperone or someone yeah. to take you because suddenly you could get on a bike and go by yourself. Yeah. And it's quick. I mean, we always talk about how much resistance there was in terms of the response to people wanting to dress in more practical ways or, um, you know, people throwing things at women who were out riding in public. But it's interesting, I think, to note how quickly all that resistance dissipated. We had somebody write a letter to a paper this year (laughs) (laughs) saying that she didn't realise lady was such a derogatory term (laughs) till she came to Australia. I don't think it's changed much at all, actually. The other uh, one of the other it was a very funny. I didn't get to read the the episode. I've just got this from reviews. He explains a bicycle collision between George Bernard Shaw and Bertrand Russell, <laughs> which I found quite hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. There's a lot of really really good stories caught up in here, and he goes through all the, um, you know the. The different the class system and how that was affected, uh, how it affected clothing for both men and women, the whole thing about being able to travel further, um, yeah. and uh, travel and British tourists abroad and yeah. Europe, um, and the differences between uh, Victorian England and the development you saw on the um, continent. So, yeah, yeah, there was something I remember interesting about one of the French. Um, cycle tourist clubs, and somebody made a comment that because we all dress the same way to ride the bike, any of those social signifiers about dress was completely gone. So there wasn't that natural inclination to actually address people as how they, yeah. you know, their clothes represents them. It's interesting, on one of the naked rides one year, afterwards somebody said to me, I don't recognise anybody now with their clothes on which was quite fascinating. But yeah. So when I'm joining a cycling club and we all join the all wear the same, all those social signifiers have gone. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, other, the other thing which I've noticed in the the gene pool, travelling better, travelling more to meet new and interesting people and marry them and have children, we are becoming now one of the most ethnically diverse populations on the planet and the reason is, so instead of even 40 years ago having a small selection of people, even though we ride our bike, nowadays we have a selection of people virtually worldwide. Yeah. And that is slowly filtered through our gene pool to say that we don't marry in amongst our tribes anymore. So the internet and the bicycle have got a lot to answer for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if anyone... Um is interested in having a look at Revolution, how the bicycle reinvented modern Britain. I'll put a link up to it with the podcast. There we go. A couple of events I should give us a quick shout out. October the 6th, Abbotsford Cycles is having a swap meet. And I would imagine that'll run from about 10 till 4 or 10 till 2. I checked the, um, their website um, before you head down there. Okay, and uh, coming up on the 19th of September at Commuter Cycles is another Hunt 1000 Information Night with Dan Hunt and some special guests. Uh, 
talking about uh, preparations and what you can expect if you're thinking about uh, doing the Hunt 1000 this year in November. And I think that starts at about 7 o'clock and goes to about 9, yep. I would imagine. It'll be a bit of a pep talk. <laughs> also coming up um, on the 27th of September is the Transport Forum for Moreland, a public forum to discuss transport issues before the state election in November. Uh, and that is a chance to meet local candidates in the state elections and hear about their transport policies, which, especially in Moreland and for a lot of our listeners, will include um, active transport options. So a good opportunity to get along and check who's planning to support what. And look, last weekend, yesterday and the day before, was World Car Free Day in most of Europe. Most of Paris, Brussels and a few other cities were completely car-free. If you want to have a look at what the Champs-Élysées look like, covered in bicycles that haven't got brand names on them, you should get on the web and have a look at some pictures or some wonderful pictures, Paris, Brussels and a few other people. All those big streets just full of bikes. And also coming up on September the 30th it, uh, is the Preston Market Bike Breakfast. So if you arrive at the market by bike, then you are entitled to take part in a free breakfast that the market is hosting. Um, you can also, if you want, join a ride to the market, um, which will be hosted by Bicycle Network. There's uh, information about uh where you can park your bike, how you can find the breakfast on the Preston Market website, and we'll put a link to that up in our podcast. And a couple of other things coming up is September the 23rd, there's a cargo bike race at Brunswick Velodrome. For anyone, uh, I think there's a few cargo bikes in the Brunswick uh, area and northern suburbs. So Do the cargo bikes have to be loaded? <laughs> It's only one way to find out, Val. I oh, know, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and also something to think about, um, because you might want to do some climbing for it, uh, Rishi Fox, who has been on the Yarrabug radio show with Chris about her endurance cycling adventures, is hosting um, a ride she's put together called Will Climb for Views. So this is a five-checkpoint, self-rooted, self-supported ride um, you can determine your own route and the only thing you have to do is make sure you include these five checkpoints, each of which is at the top of a climb. The av- the distance will depend on the route you put together but it will be approximately 300 kilometres um, and there are five pretty decent climbs within that. So, Where about Which of the climbs? Sorry. Well, <laughs> don't ask a question you don't already know the answer to. <laughs> they're they're all the ride starts and finishes, I think, at Fed Square. So it's it's a Melbourne ride, ah. um, and surrounds, and uh, you have to put together the route yourself once you find uh, what the five checkpoints are at the climbs. So a little bit of navigational skills, like yeah. orienteering on a bike, I yes. imagine. Or yeah. like a sort of um, extended alley cat. Ooh, sort of. yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Tattoos obligatory, you don't get a start. 
And that looks like it's all we have time for today. You've been listening to the Arabug Radio Show on 3CR. If you'd like to support the station, you can do that at 3cr.org.au. Coming up next is... Jailbreak. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.